Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 507 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd. I have not gotten a reply or received a cease and desist from Lamborghini. So I think we're still okay in calling ourselves as such. I think we're good till we get the notarized letter. Can you notarize a tweet? Oh. Okay, I'm getting the information uh, of stuff that we had talked about off air to be continued. Okay. Um. Yes, you can. You can if you print out a tweet and notarize it, or make a zine of deleted tweets. Then yes, it counts as a legally binded binding contract. Fair enough. Fair That's enough. how we got words on an episode of uh, Babbling <laughs> Brooks. You know. That's right. Get you every time. So we have actually a lot to discuss this week. It's almost as though the world is returning to normal uh, because we've got tons of stuff to talk about regarding Batman regarding a gentle rib maybe being played by marvel on dc uh some dc cancellations which is no surprise to anyone at all and the passing sadly of a true comic book legend Mm -hmm. uh also of course we have uh the return of actual conventions this weekend oh Oh, boy uh digital books and sales of course uh what we read this past week in a tribute to James Tinian the Fourth, uh, we've got Batman ninety two, Batman Secret Files number three, and the official title Joker eightieth anniversary one hundred page super spectacular number one. It rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Todd's art attack is I think we got a couple two three there, and uh, TV talk is just Stargirl right now. That's right. So let's start with Marvel giving DC a hard time. That's right. Giving them the business. Giving them the business. So, uh, you know, obviously with the big changes going on with DC no longer using Diamond as their distributor, um, they are shipping their books to stores on Tuesdays and telling retailers they can sell their books on Tuesdays. Uh, Marvel, on the other hand, has uh, taken to doing a line of variant covers for a bunch of books coming out in July, where it's just the logo on a plain pastel cover with the words, On Sale Wednesday. (laughs) Right. Now, I know some people, maybe actual artists, uh, may be upset about this, but I think this is all in good fun. This isn't the main cover. I'm assuming that it's not going to be like a uh, like multiple variant sort of thing. I think retailers can order as many or as few of these as they want. Right. And I look at it as I think it's actually, I mean, it's a rib towards DC, but I actually think it's 
you know, it boomerangs back on themselves as a joke. It's like, hey, on sale on Wednesday, you know, one day after you can get our competitors' books who have a jump start on us by 24 hours. Oh, I, don't know. I just think it's, I just think it's, it's, it's not, you know, there's, it's nothing to me is basically what it is. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was a fun rib. They're having some, it, Marvel's trying to have some fun. This is their way of, you know, whatever. Right. I don't care for like the regular variant covers. I always go for the A cover on all my Marvel comics. So sure, but good for them if they could sell a million. Good for them. Yes. Uh, speaking of DC, as they're ribbing themselves, uh, we have a bunch of we discussed last week a bunch of books that got canceled or moved to digital or being resolicited as original graphic novels. Is is is. More cancellations from DC as the September solicitations from both of the major publishers are starting to trickle out. Uh, Books of Magic from the Sandman universe, not Vertigo, is ending in September, as is the Shazam book, which is no longer <laughs> even being written by Jeff Johns. Right. I heard that had some, you know, shipping troubles there for a little bit, getting out on time, hitting some oh, deadlines. Right. Maybe that had something to do with it, Joe. A book that was snake bit from the beginning, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's right. Strike while the iron is cold. I don't know. Maybe when the Shazam 2 movie comes out, they can just take all the unused Jeff Johns scripts and do something with those, you know? Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, speaking of DC, of course, uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about Batman and James Tinney and the Fourth a little bit later on. But in promoting his upcoming story arc in the main Batman book, I guess it was brought up uh, in regarding the uh, Tom King and Clayman Batman Catwoman series. Right. That originally, and again, this is a story that's like almost two years old at this point. Right. Uh, This originally was supposed to be the last couple issues of Tom King's run on the main Batman book leading up to issue 100. And then I guess the story was going to still happen, just not part of the main Batman book. It was supposed to be solicited this past January and it never got solicited. And now here we are. I don't think we're going to see that book in 2020 the way things are currently going, you know? Right. I think we'll see it before. Do you mean the first issue? I think we'll see the first issue before 2020 is over. You think so? Yeah. I think because of what's going on in the Batman books currently, of course, um, you know, Lord forbid DC to oversaturate, oversaturate the market with Batman product. That would never happen. But the Joker War is going to be spinning out of James Tinian's Batman book. Uh, you have the Three Jokers book that's coming from Snyder here very shortly. Or is it is that that's Jeff Johns or is it Scott Snyder? The Three Jokers. The Three Jokers is uh, Jeff Johns and and Jason Fabok. Okay, because then Dark Metal Two, which essentially is a Batman Joker story at its core. Um, is currently coming out this week from Scott Snyder. So you have like 
three concurrent Batman stories that are going to be going on over the summer into the end of the year that really have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. So I could see DC waiting for the dust to kind of settle there and then put Batman Catwoman out. But the main thing about it is, is that Tinian more or less has said that it's now not going to be part of main continuity. It's going to be kind of like this, not his words, but I just created this phrase, this wibbly wobbly timey wimey sort of thing <laughs> that's going to happen with the Batman Catwoman story. And I think that is also what's going to move it. They don't want to take any of the heat off of a uh, punchline. Right. But my take on it is looking back at this whole story now and hitting this at, you know, I didn't know <clears throat> that they, that they were leading into because we've had some of the specials and the Catwoman uh, <clears throat> story with, with him uh, that they have the baby. They're going to have Helena. And looking back, I think this was the sticking point that derailed his whole run with uh, DC slash Warner Brothers, however. Because remember back when he said, like, I'm going to do the thing I never thought DC would ever let them do. And everybody thought it was like maybe kill Alfred or whatever it was. I think it was like, you know, have Batman and Catwoman get married and, and, and raise a family. And I think somebody at DC went, nope, you that's not it. Having Robin, you know, Damien as a clone kid, blah, blah, blah. However that works is a little different, but that we want Batman, you know, untethered. And I think that's what, what changed everything. And each little bit that we get makes me more and more think this, that it just keeps getting moved out. Now it's a mini series and now it's out of continuity. And this story to me, just as a whole, looking at it is just like, really really crazy but anybody who thought batman was going to end up married to catwoman and have a child and do all this stuff i was like i don't know i just don't i just don't see taking your biggest you know money property and changing it that drastically so i just find all this fascinating and that's kind of why i was like oh i kind of want to talk about this but right. i was wondering and what I, your opinion yeah i get what you're saying and you know nothing sticks in comics and you know, everyone kind of goes back to when they unmarried uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane in the Spider-Man books all those low years ago. And they always say that kids can't relate to a married Spider-Man or a Batman that's a dad or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The kids don't really know what's going on in the comic books or really care what's going on in the comic books. So you could really do whatever you want in the comic books because... Sadly, you know, the comic books aren't really what drives, you know, toy sales or, you know, movie whatevers, right? right. You want to have something line up for a period of time while a movie is coming out, by all means, go for it. But once the movie has come and done its time in the theaters and is now no longer in the theaters, we could just change everything in the comic back to the way it was, you know? Right. But I will disagree that the comics mean nothing in the grand scheme in that all the great, tr like Hollywood even seems to get it now that if it works in the comics, it kind of translates better into like good ideas are good ideas. Copy an A, get an A like, you know, uh, Bucky coming back and, and stuff like that. All that was like some of the best stuff that they've done. Cause they use the best stories. So when it's a good story, they'll use it. And I think the template is well, tell those stories and try to get, so we don't have to pay for writers to come up with ideas, Let we'll do it cheap over here. And we don't want anything with married Batman. We don't think that's going to sell in the, in the movies. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's just my take on it. 
my hot takes. Yeah, I yeah, don't know if I, 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 I and maybe it's just not that I'm cynical, but I think it's just because I'm kind of sad the way that the Tom King run is going to end, that it's not ending, and that mm-hmm. it's you know could have ended as part of the main book. Okay, it's not ending as part of the main book, but it's essentially coming out right after his run of the main book ends, and now here it is. You know, we're going to be minimally a year later before that story even begins you know right but don't you think you could pretty much just go that's his ending of his run you know what i mean like i could separate that and just go that's like this is how his his run would have ended this is how his batman ends now fresh slate like you said Mm -hmm. so but anyway i'll be getting it anyway you know i i want to see how that run ends I agree. I'll be picking it up and yeah. I'll actually have to watch Batman mask of the phantasm to figure stuff out for the, you know, never saw that. Really? Yeah. Oh boy. We definitely should. We, you, you definitely should watch that. We should do it as part of the show or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure something out as long as nobody shows me any toys to spoil it. All right. I won't. I promise. Okay. Makes me wonder, did the Batman Mask of the Phantom... I think the Batman Mask of the Phantasm toys came out after the Dick Tracy toys, where, where there was also a uh, a deal there regarding something, you know, the toys spoiling the movie as well. Right. You and your Dick Tracy, you know... Oof. You're crazy, son. That's right. Well, listen, I like Dick Tracy, you know? Mm-hmm. I was... Listen after dark this week, and you'll hear me gush. <laughs> and uh, I just want to throw this out before we get to the the last bit of news. It was in our little uh, list of notes here that uh, Aftershock, which has put out a bunch of good stuff, they have a bunch of good creators uh, there, are releasing a special um, forty eight page book, seven stories from some of their top contender uh, creators, rather called SOS Support Our Shops. And uh, they are going to be released to comic book stores at no cost to them through Diamond. And it's going to have stories in there from uh, Cullen Bunn, Steve Orlando, Jamie McKelvey, Jerry Ordway, uh, amongst many, many others. And the reason I wanted to bring that up because I'm like, oh, that's a really cool deal. You know, a bunch of their big name creators doing a book like this, essentially giving it to the retailers to do with whatever they want. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Um, let me just see here. So it's going to be distributed to Diamond's top 200 Aftershock accounts, which will each receive 20 free copies uh, to go on sale next week. The next 300 will get 10 free copies. Uh, stores included, not included in this ranking uh, can reach out to their, you know, their support people and request them, you know? Right. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, but the one thing that I wanted to mention is the cover of this book, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the news, the cover is this David Mack print sort of thing, like this David Mack kind of watercolory looking thing where it's a kid reading comic books and it says, with great inspiration comes great power. Uh, you know, a superhero, a Superman type character flying around in the background. Right. I only bring this up because that is just a repurposed uh, David Mack Daredevil cover from the 90s. Is it really? Yes. Hmm, that doesn't sound like David Mack. 
I'm just saying, when I saw that image, I'm like, where have I seen that before? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was when Bendis was doing like a two issue thing before he kind of took over Daredevil. Mm-hmm. It had Dave, that David Mack cover with that, that same kid on there. But I guess if you swipe from yourself, it's not really a swipe, I guess, right? No, it's an homage to thyself. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Check that out. A lot of good creators. I don't know what the, the sell-through price is going to be on that for uh, retailers. But it'll be in shops next week. Check it out. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, uh, unfortunately, is the passing of, again, as mentioned, an absolute legend in the world of comic books. Uh, Denny O'Neill, Dennis O'Neill, mostly known Denny O'Neill, passed away over the weekend. Um, You know, creator of some of the best Batman stories of all time. Uh, He created Ra's al Ghul. Uh, he did the Green Lantern, Green Arrow, hard traveling hero stuff. Right. Um, you know, amongst many other things during that time, you know, he did a sort of like Spider Man and Doctor Strange and stuff like that at Marvel. Uh, but he did like a ton of question stuff. Uh, he did the Armageddon crossover in the early 90s. Oh, one of my favorite crossovers. And we won't mention this. Uh, but he and Joe Casada created what I would say was probably the worst thing ever to happen to Batman. Yep. Uh, do you mean that Azriel? I think it's Superman's cousin, Jor El's brother. I don't know. <laughs> just that's what I think that is. But all joking aside, looking at some of the, I have a list of th- people he's created and things he's created: Rayshaw Ghoul, Talia Al Ghul, Bronze Tiger. Calypso for Marvel, Lady Deathstrike, Richard Dragon, um, Hydro Man, Iron Monger, which is big because that was the first Iron Man movie for Marvel, Kill Raven, The League of Assassins, Madam Web, um, O Sensei, uh, Lady Shiva, here's a big one, uh, Leslie Tompkins, and then John Stewart. Like the, the and that that story there in Green Lantern, what was that? What number was the first appearance of John Stewart? I forget, but I always call it the second appearance of Guy Gardner. That's very important. Um, but like that, that story like resonates today. And as people were using actual, you know, pages of that story in the last couple of weeks and everything, like that first appearance of John Stewart to me is huge. And then, like you said, all that hard traveling hero stuff, that's some of the stuff that changed comics. You know, took them out of like the kitty stuff at DC um, as Marvel was lapping them in the race, and you know, Speedy on on heroin and like, oh my god, like mind blown at that time for some of that comics, some of those comics, and to have like Neil Adams draw them, and like you said, all the stuff he did, Denny O'Neill, just legend in the industry to me, one hundred percent, and uh, sad to see him go. As Todd mentioned, just the laundry list of characters that he created or co-created with various other artists and so forth. Uh, but yeah, he was, you know, uh, he was writing Batman and Green Arrow in the you know, 60s and 70s when not a lot of people were, were reading those. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that stuff is really, really good. Yep, still holds up, man, some of that stuff. Yeah. 
And, you know, like, just looking over, like, his, like, history and stuff like that, he was the one that was tasked with being the first writer on Batman after the the Adam West TV show. And went, like, a completely different direction, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you want to know something else that's uh, that's big to you? He was the guy who put Frank Miller as a writer on Daredevil. Right, because they worked together on that... Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus wanted dead or alive gimmick. Right. And then I think he may have drawn some issues and then he was like, yeah, like let him write. I think he was the editor at the time, which like, you know, that was enough that like that Frank Miller run uh, changed comics too. Like he had his, he had his hand in a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like in like the history, like big moments in history in comics. So that's kind of the, the, the amazing stuff to me. And I got to meet him at a show a few years ago and he was so nice to talk to. And I got to talk to him about my favorite thing that he ever wrote the question. And I got to, I got to talk to him for like a minute or two. Uh, you know, he was, he was, he's up, he was up there and he was kind of like frail and like, you know, I had a, you know, talk loudly for him to hear, especially on the floor. But it was one of my favorite moments to just sit and talk with him for, you know, a few, you know, a minute or two. And he was very gracious to every person that came up to him. So I'll always, you know, think fondly of him. Absolutely. So yeah, take, take some time. Uh, you know, if you don't have anything new coming out, maybe go check out some old Denny O'Neill stuff. You'll be greatly impressed. I think. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got in news this week. Um, Todd, there's a convention happening this weekend. There is? There is. Uh, Hero Hype in Tampa is happening this weekend. Now, it's more of your basic comic book convention with no real creators there. You know, no marquee guests, no media guests. There's cosplay folks there. There's a bunch of stuff of that variety there. Costume contests, uh, things of that nature. You know, retailers, of course, selling their wares and whatnot. But uh, this is the first convention since, like, the middle of March. Mm-hmm. So this is you... kind of like a big deal. Right. Do you happen to have the the link there to click on? Because it wasn't in my my notes. But I think I may have read something about this in one of the face group books I'm in. That groups that I'm in. The way they may have gotten around it was by not calling it a convention and making it a swap meet by having huh. no no guests and panels. Do you know what I mean? That they could go like, oh, we can have vendors and we could say it's a flea market, which maybe is like legal you know in in the wild wild west that florida is right now yeah but I, may- so, I was gonna say so it's just the website's just herohype.com mm-hmm. but it's you know very clearly there it says we're a multi-platform independent brand we have our own conventions in blah 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 and then there's the tampa one it's happening at a holiday inn in tampa okay um you know they have a couple of the cosplay guests listed you know featured there um, it's just a one-day event on the 20th. Okay. But, Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, you know, it's there's vendors. There's nothing in here that says it's a swap meet or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, yeah. there's, like, Artist Alley stuff. Um, yeah. 
Now I will say this under there, you know, for you signing up for vendor space, uh, you cannot from your vendor space sell food. Uh, you cannot be a vacation or travel agency. <laughs> you cannot be a gambling or casino related product. Oh. No vaping, tobacco spelled wrong, or smoking products. Okay, what's uh, no spelled wrong? Con- tobacco spelled wrong. Okay, I was hoping it wasn't vaping. No. Uh, no adult content, no religious statues or related products, and no psychics, fortune tellers, or tarot card related items. Oh. What about what about witch, uh, tarot, witch of the black rose? Is that okay? I don't know. I think that, like, that hits like two no's. That's adult co- content and actual tarot itself. That's right. And you're gambling when you buy that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's three now, yes. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if you're in the greater Tampa area and you got nothing better to do and you don't mind being around hundreds of people, I guess, go give this a whirl. You know, I'm not going to make you sign anything saying that we absolve you of, uh, you know, any illness or any risk of yourself, you know. The only thing it needs now is some wrestling in there. It'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. I saw the list of uh, rules that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. A, lot of fo- a lot of rules on that list. A lot of rules don't apply to wrestling. Does it apply to podcasts? No, don't apply to co- uh, don't apply to podcasts neither. Okay, good. Um, and of course, um, who, we would be remiss not to mention here the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where all the shows, all our friends and like minded individuals do anytime those shows go up. Or they appear on other podcasts and they let me know. It'll go up on that site as well. Whether it be this show you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Prime Defective came back hot. And then I think they cooled off a little bit. But, you know, they, they did enough output over the last two months that they get a couple months of mention here. Uh, Wednesday Night War, of course. Uh, and... Uh, final wrestling place on Sundays and of course my other show that I do with the only Asriel fan in the world Adam uh, at odds <laughs> with wrestling right Jorel's brother <laughs> I already have a good name for the show but that's working its way in right uh, digital books and sales uh, DC is having a sale on Scott Snyder related stuff uh, so check that out. Now, sadly, uh, Comixology, the way they do their sales, is not as pointed or focused as it used to be in the past, where, like, DC gets their own thing, and, like, each of the different Marvel sales get their own little things. But I say this only because uh, they are having two Marvel sales going on currently. Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy massive sale, which I think is everything Guardians of the Galaxy related. And then a Peter David sale of Marvel stuff. And uh, I don't know, Peter David wrote a good comic or two over at uh, Marvel. He had one of the best runs on on a bunch of different stuff. Great writer. I cannot, you know, push Peter David on. A, I can give you a list if you come see me. There's too much to mention right now. I think they have, like, all of the Hulk, like, his entire run of Hulk is there. Right. Do they have the Captain Marvel? Do you know? I'm looking right now. Because that's my favorite thing that he did at uh, at Marvel at the time. That, especially that first run. 
when you know he used his my favorite trope of his is the evil version of a character in his run from the future and it was captain marvel and i i use this i i probably said this a bunch of times his name was fred with two d's and it was the second d that made him evil and i use that to this day with my name as with todd that it has two d's and it's the second d that makes me evil sadly it is not included in the sale todd Oh, they need to get on that. That is the Dark Knight. Uh, that is the Batman Year One of Marvel. They need to get that in in the sale. I, I know you'd be surprised, Todd, but the way that they have the sale organized just gives me the the shakes. Oh boy, uh, we should probably fire off an email and see if anything gets done. Yeah, I don't send no emails no more. No, just angry tweets. Yeah, I'm going through the entire list just to make sure, because, like, the way they have this laid out, you know, they have, like, the hot stuff up front. Right. And then they have things in alphabetical order, but it's not quite in alphabetical order. It's in, like, rebranded alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like well, the way it's laid out. They have the exact X Factor stuff, right? And Madrox, all that stuff. Yeah, hopefully. they do have all that stuff. Good. Yeah, Go but- with that. They have like ran- like it'll be like oh here's this random issue of X Men twenty ninety nine that he did. Here's one issue of a four issue miniseries of X Men and Power Pack that he did. Uh, <laughs> but I, ca- the Captain Marvel thing is not in there. Sadly. Yeah. Uh, but no, they have like all the trades up front, and then they have all the single issues. But yeah, uh, no Captain Marvel. Sadly. Hmm. Uh, digital books and or free books. Uh, nothing new has come up on the free book side of things. I think those uh, other links that I had there are kind of evergreen, if you will. Uh, this will be the third week in a row that I mentioned the Scooby Doo team up thing. The entire run of that is there for free. Uh, they said it's going to be there for a limited time, but it's been over three weeks, so I don't know how limited they consider limited. So, right, that's on you. Grab them now while the grabbing's good. And now, let's get into what we read from this past week, which is going to be a plethora of Batman stuff. That's right. All James Tinian IV themed. Um, We'll start with Batman 92, written, obviously, by Tinian, and art by Gilliam March. This basically takes up where the last issue left off, where Batman and Deathstroke are battling, and then the Riddler unleashes his scheme, which locks down the city and pits his mind against Batman's, you know, in a in a crossword puzzle type game where Batman has to save the day. And right out the gate, Batman's, you know, getting over on Riddler by, you know, beating him at answers before it even happens. Uh, and then that story kind of plays out to where he ends up, you know, figuring everything out and meeting the grandmaster behind it all, the the designer. But that's the A plot. But really, it's the B plot because the A plot is Catwoman going to the underbroker to break in and get some stuff that's there with Harley. But Punchline shows up and then we get the first meeting. Well, the first full appearance of Punchline, uh, not a, not a silhouette, not, you know, just the eyes, a full appearance. And then she gets to have some interaction with Harley Quinn, which may be my favorite bit of this, this whole book, especially when Harley's like, you're the new one. Like you don't seem that funny, but, uh, just, 
two word balloons that I absolutely love where she's like, honey, a few years from now, after you have a couple dozen come to God moments and do some good long cries in the shower, I'm going to buy you a frozen margarita and we're going to have a chat girl to girl. And I'm like, that's right. Harley Quinn now is miles ahead of you. Get ready for the pain that, that she, and I'm like, this was just absolutely fantastic. Um, as I read more and more of the Batman run by Tinian, I love it. And Gilliam March's art just like absolutely crushed everything in this. And I did like a lot of the interaction between Riddler, Batman, and Batman and Deathstroke. Like this was just a perfect fun action issue, moves the story along. Like this was perfect to me. I loved this issue. The wait was kind of worth it for this famous issue 92, the first full punchline. So uh, Batman, or, you know, so as you mentioned, Harley Quinn, of course, has been here doing this for a while now, which is crazy to think that she's been in these books for um, over 20 years. Oh, I feel old, but go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, not counting, you know, the, the animated series, you know, we're talking about her being put into the actual, you know, comic books, right? Right. That famous Alex Ross, Joker, Harley Quinn cover. Right, but who knows how long she's been doing this in the time frame of, like, however comic time works. But yes, uh, the first full appearance of Punchline. Um, you know, I, I'm i not overreacting. I'm not sending my kid to college on this issue. I don't think anyone's gonna. But I really like the way the story is coming together because you have these three different things going on. And it seems like it would be very busy and tough to follow, but it's not. Um, because I really liked that main Riddler Batman stuff. I'm a sucker for the Riddler. Uh, I don't like the new look design, whatever, but he's still the Riddler at the end of the day. Um, they could have they could have made the issue just that mm-hmm. without the other stuff. And I think it would have been a nice full issue. Um, but yes, uh, we talked a little bit before in the news about what's going on with the uh, Tom King follow-up on his Batman story, which makes me feel, especially with this, the success of this, both critically and actually that they're good book, you know, critically they're good books. Financially, they're hot books that people are talking about. I think Tinian's probably going to be on this book for a while. I agree, and with the rumors of, like, you know, there was going to be um, a different Batman, like, not now, you know what I mean? Like, do not derail the, the cash train. And right. I, we don't, I'm with you on that. Yeah, we don't deal in rumor and innuendo here on the show. But, you know, over the last week or so, there's been rumor and innuendo, both in regards to uh, the much talked about here on this show and in comic book circles that that 5G stuff is dead. Mm-hmm. That none of those books have been resolicited or even like pre-resolicited with September stuff coming out. Right. Um, there's also talk that Bendis has talked about he's going to be wrapping up his Superman stuff soon. So, you know, there was speculation that he was going to be coming over to Batman. I don't think he's coming over to Batman anytime soon. Nobody's talking about what Bendis is doing over in Superman like they're doing talking about what Tinian's doing over in Batman. Right. But also Bendis came out again and said that he his end on Superman is nowhere in sight. Like, oh, it'll okay. be a long time. Yeah. Like that was that was, you know, taken out of whatever, you know. So he's he he's on the long haul, according to him. And I'll say this. We joke uh, on this that punchline is Joker's daughter done right. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of get into this a little bit more as we talk about our other books. 
but it's almost as though this storyline by Tinian has the makings, the early starts of Hush done right. You know what? That is a good analogy. Uh-huh. That, that like is a legit the whole you know done right joke we beat into the ground but like hush was messed up but this feels like we could hit all the like some great villains along the way and have a truly like monumentous story and have it actually stick the landing unlike hush but two things i would like to mention on this book before we move on one um it's weird because i thought maybe we were going in a different direction with the riddler after mark russell not the polit- the political satirist musician but the comic writer was doing something different in that one shot but that seems to have gone by the wayside now and the other thing that i love is I miss Commissioner Gordon, but I do love Bullock as the commissioner because the Bull- Bullock looks at Gotham completely different from Commissioner Gordon. And there's a great moment when he's interviewing Penguin and it, like one of his underlings comes in and he's like, you know, Bullock, like the city's turned green. He's like, it never ends. He's like, let's go. He's like, where? These freaks like to hear themselves talk. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I like like the Bullock take on all of Gotham is like the way I would be like not again like that we've done this it's about to get crazy and it's just it, it's different but it's fun and well done so like i said there's not anything in this issue or this run so far that i haven't liked so good for tinian he's he's firing on all cylinders absolutely and I, and tinian's been doing stuff for a while um you know but it's it's a book like this batman high profile that raises the profile of him as a person uh, writer, and therefore gets people to check out his other stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the stuff that'll get him that good contract at Image someday. Yes. Uh, so let's go to Joker 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular number one next. All right, Rolls right off the tongue. Now, we're not going to be talking about the whole 100-page thing because there's a lot in there. We're going to be talking about the story that was written by James Tinian, which essentially is the origin of Punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, how she came to be. She's the college student. How she comes up alongside the Joker, uh, you know, downloading, you know, recipes for his toxins online. And it all starts with her choosing to wear a Joker shirt and a memorial for someone at the school whose brother or family or whatever it was, I forget, was killed by the Joker. Right. The gist of the story was it was hero day and you were supposed to like represent your hero. She put the Joker shirt on, but, and then somebody like reported her to the Dean or whoever for wearing the shirt. And he comes and has a talk with her and she's as you know, she pulls no punch lines, you know, pun intended with the, with the Dean. And it's absolutely like fantastic where she's like, you know, like this is all a joke, like the whole the whole situation here on campus, like, and she ends up pull, like playing her cards. And I don't feel this is the full origin of Punchline. This is just a moment, and I like she knows the Joker at this point. But I like I feel like there's a story where she meets the Joker. You know what I mean? There's more to this, but this is a nice taste of her origin, like you said. So this feels more. Uh, at least this part of her origin. And like I said, it's not her full origin, but it's a little bit more of the behind the scenes of her. Mm -hmm. That unlike other people that we've seen in the past from Harley Quinn to many, many others that get kind of manipulated by the Joker, 
that are seemingly good with just maybe like a twinge of evil inside of them. What little we see of her in this college days thing seems like she's someone who's ready to upset the apple cart of the world and just needs a reason, a face to put on it. And the Joker is that face. I would agree. I also feel like that the Joker, like you said, would look at her whenever, like whenever we see it and was like, she's fully formed. I don't have to do anything like hop aboard the crazy train. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I like about it. I just occasionally like a villain who's just evil. Like, and if we got no more to her origin and just said, this is the way she is. She's, she's messed up. I'm fine with it. Sometimes like giving them like a full blown story can ruin the mystique. And I like just punchline as is. I don't need any more. Just give me crazy Joker sidekick slash partner and we're good to go. Right. So, you know, like I said, we, we've kind of maligned her a bit on the show, but it seems as though Tinian is actually doing something to give her some gravitas and not just making her another Harley Quinn or Joker's daughter done right or something like that. She feels a little bit more thought out, if that makes any sense. I agree, and I do think this is going to be his claim to fame at DC as Punchline. Like this, like this Punchline has legs, as far as I'm concerned. Oh sure. So, and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was say the only thing is I don't know if he gets a full paycheck because she's an original character or if she's derivative. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, yeah, I get you. So I hope it's not the derivative part because when they put punchline in a movie, I hope he, I hope he makes bank is what I'm saying. Uh That's what I want. I want that dump truck load of money. Like the guy who created El Diablo for suicide squad. And was like, look at the house I bought after the movie came out. That's what I want for like, that's what I want for Tinian. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the guy makes good is basically. So. Absolutely. And then uh, last but certainly not least, of course, is Batman's Secret Files number three. Now, less, we're not doing the whole thing, of course. We're just doing the story that's written by James Tinian. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it ties directly into what's going on in the main Batman book, which is always a positive thing that happens in these. And this was less a Secret Files, really, than more of just like an annual, I guess. It felt more like an annual than a Secret Files. Right. If it had some who's who's pages in it or a map, then it would be a secret file. Yes. I know I've mentioned it before in the show, but remember the one where it was just like after No Man's Land where they did secret files, Gotham City, and it was just schematics for all the new buildings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a moneymaker right there. Oh, boy. When did being Batman become a business, Todd? I don't know. It's the secret files opportunity, Joe. Yes. Uh, but this more so is the revelation of what the Joker's plan is. Uh, how he recruits Deathstroke to be part of the plan. Do you want to spoil this or do you want to kind of tiptoe around this? You know what? This is one of them that I honestly think I, whether people are going to buy. I kind of just say just listener beware because I think if you're not buying this book, some of this will get you to try Tinian's whole run. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is, you know, a Joker that is a maniac, of course, but he's a maniac with a plan. And 
it's a Joker who knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And I'm saying this as it's a Joker who knows because the Joker is kind of written to fit whatever the storyline needs to be. But this time, the Joker's plan is to steal all of Bruce Wayne's money. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne being the richest man in the world, or the richest man in Gotham, and is also Batman. If I take all of Bruce Wayne's money, then Bruce Wayne and Batman essentially go away. Right, and then I take that money and I use it to wage war on Batman the way he does on crime, and then you really squash the bat. And the whole idea of it is just absolutely brilliant in its simplicity. Yes. And then on top of that, you you factor in the storyline that with the designer where he was giving everybody their wishes, like, what do you want to do? And then I'll take it to the nth degree. And this is really Catwoman's plan without destroying Batman. So in a sense, she has a paw in all of this. So... It's really like like layered and leveled, but I really like his plan, and I like it when he the Joker even says he's like he's like you're usually crazy. He's like sometimes he goes I kind of am, but I like the people think that I'm to think I'm crazier than I am. It gives me an edge, and I'm like, and you're not really sure once again whether it's all a game or whatever. The Joker is doing a good job, and he's recruiting Deathstroke, who's a good man to have on your team, Joe. Right, and what he promises to Deathstroke is, is like, okay, well, I get Batman's money, but he has trust funds set up for at least five other people. Mm -hmm. You can have one of those. Yep, and and next time you blow up the giant T-Tower, they're not going to have money to rebuild it. So you will destroy the Titans, too, and and Deathstroke's like, destroy the Titans? All right, I'm in. I got a, I got a grudge against the Titans. <laughs> Manipulating those grudges, man. He'd do a number on you, Joe. Oh, it depends on the day. Some days uh, the grudges are stronger in me than others. You know, other right. days I'm like, eh, I'm okay, I'll live. You know. I always say you're more grudge than man, Joe. Uh, I'm but trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to make it like. 49 51 percent you know making the making it closer you know Mm -hmm. but i will say overall on the two books especially the batman secret files and and batman joker um these are like the two main stories that we discussed the tinny and stuff but i there's a lot of other good stories in these two and i think the joker especially the joker 80 page or 100 page spectacular is a lot stronger than the uh catwoman one and I like a lot of the like the Cheshire story and the secret files. There's a lot of stuff that I think you people will enjoy other than just the little story and you'll get your money out of it if you read them. So that's my my advice. Absolutely. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to Longbox Heroes, let's say from now on noon on a when on a Tuesday. We put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home. And it feels good to say that again. And it sounds so good to my ears, too, Joe. Be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out. Make sure you have enough in your Venmo account. I don't know. Is that how people pay for things? I don't know. Someone tried to make me Venmo them something. I was like, I'll meet you in the Walmart parking lot. 
I have an envelope of sweaty 20s. That's my Venmo. That's what I always say. I have a sweaty fistful of 20s. Let's do this. Yes. Uh, so we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. We have a handy-dandy link in there to our retailer, Comic on the Green, who does a very good job of keeping track of what's coming out. He has a very big presence on Facebook regarding these sort of things days in advance previews of stuff so give him a like a thumbs up or whatever it is you do on facebook man i don't know mute your whole family and everyone else that you know just have comics on the green on your facebook really um but todd and i attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week i am still in the lead with two correct guesses i'm gonna look at todd's list and guess what he is most looking forward to coming out this week and i'm gonna scratch my chin and wonder aloud and say he is looking forward to coming uh, coming out this week. Moonshine 18? It is not Moonshine 18. Okay, I took a chance. It is a book that I'm not sure is coming out because Diamond says it is. Uh-huh. But DC, or Diamond says it isn't, but our retailer says it is. It is Strange Adventures number two. I'm glad to see that book back. My second choice. Is the book you are also looking forward to, uh, Strange Adventures number two? Uh, it is. Strange Adventures number two. So the gap is now starting to narrow there. Uh, but yes, uh, this is a book, as mentioned in the pull post, if you see there, two weeks in a row, two key DC books missing from the main Diamond solicitation. So uh, be forewarned and be forearmed. Make sure to double check some stuff when you're putting your pull list together. Like I said... Uh, if you do not have a local retailer, I'm sure our local retailer, the aforementioned Comics on the Green, puts together a very comprehensive list of everything that's coming out uh, this week, so you do not miss a thing. Mm-hmm. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done uh, together as podcast and partners, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, where... I, I'll, I'll consider it my love letter to Dick Tracy, long overdue, the movie, uh, of course, check that out. If you want to check that out now, you can become a $5 Patreon and get uh, not only After Dark ahead of everybody else, but also our two bonus shows ahead of everyone else, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month in the Diamond Previews catalog and Babbling Brooks as we go film by film in chronological order of the movies of comic genius Mel Brooks. Any patron amount is going to get you those shows. It's just the $5 is going to get them to you before everyone else. Uh, Also, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our little store button there where you can get shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. In that same link, you can go to our Public store where you can purchase shirts inspired by things said on this show. Things said on After Dark, things said on At Odds with Wrestling, and things said on Final Wrestling Place. But you could also go to our favorite website, everyone's favorite website, Amazon, through our click-through at the top of the page. They call it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month (laughs) when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past month, or this past week, this past month. I read the month would be here all day. Uh, this past week include someone purchased volumes three and four of the Jonathan Hickman run of Dawn of X. Uh, somebody also did the uh, 
the, the Kroger meet opportunity purchasing a Xbox gift card through our click-through. Anytime you purchase a gift card through our uh, click-through, that's like a double purchase, it feels like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased Series 1 and Series 2 of the Challenge of the GoBots cartoon. Ooh, We're not Transformers done right. We're not here to judge, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased the uh, a DuckTales twin comforter and sheet set based on the current DuckTales cartoon. And I wish my kid cared about that sort of thing because uh, it's a really good cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased the Brian Setzer 68 comeback special. I think it's a vinyl. Sometimes a little unclear when you look at the uh, the list there. Uh, entitled Ignition. I'll, get, I'll consider that a tribute to my friend Alex. Rest in peace. Somebody also purchased a J-Lab Audio J-Buds uh, Bluetooth earbuds with charging case and a Wi-Fi extender. And one of those people who purchased that also purchased the three-year protection plan. Almost as good as a double dip is when you get the <laughs> gift card and then you buy the thing with the gift card through our site. I bet you those Air True Wireless uh, Bluetooth earbuds weren't something someone was buying again that they had seven years ago in their orders. Um, Definitely that, not. No, because I don't think they had those seven years ago. So that's a fresh buy. No sir, Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, the Muppets Most Wanted soundtrack. Uh, hopefully your uh, copy was not handled by someone with chocolate and doo-doo fingers. <laughs> Somebody also purchased the Muppets Green and Red Christmas. And I'm also going to guess that the person who purchased that also purchased the 100 count of Dorco Platinum Extra Double Edge Razor Blades because we all know red equals green. All right, I'm not even asking. People get these jokes, Todd. These jokes are like, and they all tweeted me. They said, I love when you say these things. Just like when people text you. See, Pete, when you make your jokes, people text you privately because they're ashamed. When I make my jokes, people tweet at me publicly because they're proud to get my stupid references. I don't think anybody has tweeted you. I think it's all in the (laughs) chain, that special chain that you have. Oh, the chain's been broken for a long time, my friend. Oh, my goodness. So, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We just had one. Um, from Rebecca's art again, and the person says, we've gone down a penguin hole. Rebecca drew this one as a gentle rib. It's a penguin with a, with a person's face, so I'm guessing the person who posted it was, she's drawing them, um, and it's, you know, just a penguin dressed as a cowboy, and let me tell you, you don't want to see his flipper where his hip be at, Joe, because he's ready to draw down on you. <laughs> now, you're saying we just had one. Yes. Didn't we have several over the weekend? Oh, yes. I forgot about the uh, the <laughs> making it rain, the ash that fell. <laughs> um, Matt Mang, uh, a.k.a. the Mad Bassist. Uh, I, I sh- was shoot trash there, Joe. He, oh, sh- he shot out a bunch of uh, ash uh, pieces that he's gotten over the years. He got one from Joe Liz- Linsner. Um, before he moved away, little known fact, he used to shop at our local comic shop, the creator of Don, Joe. Did you know that? I did know that. 
Yep. So that's a nice piece. He also uh, picked up a piece by the late Tommy Callisto. Uh, I think that was at a local Castillo. 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 I'm sorry. Um, At the local cons here, he was uh, he was attending. Also, he did a. I think is that a Dan Parent? Yes, Yes. a Dan Parent. uh, Ash, the guy who does all the Archie stuff, and uh, a Gabriel Hardman. He got which is the Army of Darkness poster. I think that was a gift from someone um but that's a reproduction of the movie poster and also uh one from someone who was probably a guest at one of the local scranton cons but i don't know who it is and i do not recognize the signature so a ton of ash stuff up your alley joe i'll let you go because you're the ash fan in this uh the army of darkness uh movie poster reproduction by gabriel hardman beautiful magnifique uh, all of these are awesome, and these are one of those cool things. Uh, I know Matt is a big Bruce Campbell, uh, Army of Darkness, uh, Evil Dead fan. He even posed with a cardboard cutout once of Bruce Campbell at a convention <laughs> and got a picture of himself with it. Doesn't uh, that but... look fake? <laughs> it is fake. No, it is. That's right. It's as it's as real as that other guy's hair, that your buddy of yours. <laughs> Boy. Uh, but... If I was to pick one to be my favorite, a.k.a. Steel from Matt, uh, when I do my smash and grab at our friend Josh's house and steal most of his art, I would steal the Dan Parent one because now I need to see an Archie Army of Darkness Evil Dead mashup. They've Uh, done the Predator. They've done the Punisher. You know, they've done the Ramones and Kiss and the Monkees and every other thing in between. And seeing <laughs> Reggie essentially being Ash from the Army of Darkness Evil Dead movies makes me want to see just panel by panel recreation of those films done in the Archie style. Well, you can ask Dan Parent. He shops at our local comic shop too. Oh, he does. Yeah, he's from around here. I I want to say he lives not too far away. You'll, you'll have to ask our retailer, but I think he's like a Scranton guy. Dan Parent, like, we have a lot of, like, his Kickstarter exclusive covers in the shop and stuff like that. Because he'll, oh, yeah. you know. But I think that's great. And you can have him do as many ashes as you want. Whatever, whoever characters as you want, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll hook him up for you. I don't know if I have enough money to have him, com- like, to commission an entire book done in that style. Maybe just a couple uh, sketches here and there. I don't know, eight figures, an eight-figure group of Ash. Oh, I saw you tweeting about that, Mr. Mystery. That's right, kayfabe. I'm not letting it out till it till it comes. But also, I'd like to say from last week, uh, uh, Annie the Kitty has fixed her link on her Twitter to go to the correct page on her Instagram. So right. head over there if you want a commission. Yeah, she does a lot of really good work. Go check that out. As I mentioned, she has lots of pictures of the cool art that she does and pictures of her cat, so... You know, that's that that's two corners of the internet market in one instant grab. That's right. All she needs to do is just some let's play videos and she'll be an overnight sensation. If she can get a cat to chase a ball in a tub, millionaire. <laughs> uh, see, this is what happens when we see each other earlier in the day. This stuff that, happens, you know. That is true. Yes. All right, so uh, I think that's it before we get into TV talk, A. Eh? I believe that is everything before Stargirl. Okay, so um, 
if you did not watch Stargirl, you're not up to date, because I think Stargirl's airing as we speak on regular TV. Uh, Todd and I are lucky and fancy enough to have DC Unlimited mm-hmm. for however long that's going to be around for. Um, DC Universe. DC Universe, yes. Unlimited Universe. Marvel's is Unlimited. DC's is Universe. Right, right. Right. Uh, we bid you adieu. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. See you next week, episode 507. And uh, I'll take like two seconds here to take a drink of water and we'll uh, talk about Stargirl. Mm hmm. Mm. So as we record this, and uh, as the CW airing was happening, I know we discussed it last week, um, but I saw a follower of the show. I would consider them uh, uh, on the super mega ultra power listener list. Uh, Wednesday Comics uh, was tweeting out uh, what we had talked about last week, essentially how it looks as though the Stargirl show is more or less becoming Infinity Inc., Right. Uh, they tweeted out, of course, uh, watching Stargirl, if the show turns into Infinity Inc., uh, I'll be extra impressed by the showrunners and creators had in writing the show. And again, of course, that's what you get to having Jeff Johns, who like loves this stuff like no one's business. Um, it says kudos to Stargirl. Um, you know, and then they have uh, the cover of Infinity Inc. number 21, which has Our Man and Dr. Midnight. Uh, on the cover, uh, specifically Rick Harris and Beth Chapel, the ones that are in this episode of the TV show. Right. And there was also a nod, and they also point out the nod to Red B, uh, who perished in the comic books because someone found, his, found out his identity. But uh, this is a show that is so deep, <laughs> so deep in DC minutia. But it's done in a way that doesn't make it impenetrable. You know what I mean? Like, you watch this and it's not like, oh boy, this is too much for me to follow what's going on. But I think it, I'm with you. I think it works very well. But I also feel that if you don't know the DC stuff, that just the the Red B, like the Red B thing, knowing the secret identity is just a throwaway line to protect your secret identity. But if you've read this, you know, if you know the history, you're like, yeah, that's the way it went down. So I'm like, bury me in DC nostalgia. I'm fine with it. But I, it makes me actually want to talk to the fancy gentleman because he, he even said, he goes, when I watch Stargirl, he goes, I don't have the affinity for Justice Society like you guys do. So I'm enjoying the show and I want to see if it's as confusing to him, you know what I mean? But, or if it works well or he wants to know more or what, but I'm with you. It doesn't feel forced or distracting in any way. It actually adds to the show for me. Yes. Uh, So the main crux of this is Courtney taking more of the outfits specifically. She starts off with the Hour Man stuff. And we get the, or, well, you know what, let's, uh, I, I would be remiss not to mention, of course, when we get the origin of Our Man, as we get our flashback from nine years ago, how original Our Man, uh, which is played by Lou Ferrigno Jr., ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> everyone was, well, anyway, Lou's a good guy, Lou's fine. Um, <laughs> but they run into the CGI monstrosity that is known as Solomon Grundy. I right. recommend you, ladies and gentlemen, if you watch this episode, do not watch that particular scene in freeze frame, because <laughs> then you'll be as sad as I am watching them run their car into graphics from a PS3 video game. 
But the whole point is it's supposed to move fast so you don't pause uh-huh. it, Joe. Uh-huh. Don't, don't pause know. it. That's on you. Yeah. Pausing is a you know is an offense in this. It happened very quickly, and I'm like, wait a minute, was that just Solomon? Oh, it was. Oh boy. Mm. Um, but uh, the son Rick Tyler is shunted off with uh, Rex Tyler, our man's wife's brother, who is mean and abusive and sells his carburetors on him. Not to say that Rick Ty- Tyler himself isn't a ne'er do well bully, etc. And uh, while he is walking down the street, he bumps into, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Luke Wilson, uh, Pat Dugan, being uh, doing his best David Arquette impersonation, fixing his car. They have a little car conversation. And when Rick comes by, the Our Man necklace starts to like jingle and jangle and glow. So Courtney's like, he must be the new Our Man. So I'm going to bother him for the episode until he decides to be Our Man. And while she's off doing that, um what's her face uh comes into the into a room uh beth lies and says oh yeah i'm courtney's friend comes in snoops around finds the dr midnight glasses and there we have our and mcguffin is not the word but like now that she has the glasses like there are no more questions you know anything that we need an answer to uh can just be answered through the glasses right she's almost the narrator at this point yeah, yeah. I I know what you mean, but also the like I do like the reason that she's there is because she saw Courtney and uh, who who's Wildcat now. Uh, um, Wildcat is Yolanda. Yolanda at the hospital, so she figured out that they were you know what was what, and she went over and got the the glasses. And I I actually like there's a moment in all of this that turns me around on Beth. Like the whole point is she's supposed to be an annoying character. She's annoying when she meets Amy smart, you know, the mother character, but even the mother's like, do you want to go wait in the other room? I have stuff to do. And it's like, annoys everybody. But the scene that won me over, um, is when she's talking to Courtney and Courtney, where'd you get those goggles? She's like, I came here. Like I'm, I'm the new Dr. Midnight. And she's like, you don't deserve those glasses. I don't even know who you are. And like, it takes the air out of her, like a gut punch. And she's like, I'm the girl you have lunch with every day. And I was like, boom, I instantly like kind of feel for you. And then like her figuring stuff out makes me like her a little more. Like, I do think she's going to be the annoying character in the show and she's going to be the tech person who has all the answers. That's more the way I would put it is she's the, she's the Felicity Smoak of the show. (laughs) Um, but I, I, I just I've come around on 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 Beth as Doctor Midnight early, so I like that. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of kind of. She had more establishing stuff through the season mm-hmm. than Yolanda did, and now Rick did. Where like Rick is like in the background, he shows up here. Um, was it Joseph was the magician's son, magician junior, right? Who like we're introduced to and is died in the same episode. Yes. Um, Yolanda, we kind of see her, but we don't really know what her deal is more so until the previous episode. Whereas Beth, we've gotten to see a little bit more of her than we have of anyone else. And they've kind of established that she's, and again, I hate to say weird, but she's one of those people that look like that her parents are her best friends. So she's very bad at social interactions with other people. Yes. Right. And I think with Beth, we got everything we needed to know in her first appearance. 
Like there was no layers to Beth's character where right. like you'll, where like Yolanda was like, all right, she's like, she's the out, like she's like the keeps everybody at arm's length, but then they slowly roll out why she's that way. And like, uh, Rex get, you get one bit of like his story over time as, as the new hour man. But like I said, Beth is just, Beth is Beth from, from the second you see her. Right. And I think now we're closer to having the full team being built. Uh, I'm doing my best to stay away from spoilers, of course. We still have, at the very least, jo- um, uh, Johnny Thunder, right? For with the yes, pen. Yes, the pen is still hidden in uh, Courtney's room. Oh, and we and- did get a little bit more out of this episode with the janitor. He gets his first speaking lines, right? There's dragons in those waters. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember if I said it on air or not, but the spoilers of who that person could or is going to be, I think are coming a little bit more true. Now, granted where he fits in, in JSA infinity Inc. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Hey, this is an episode that did not have the icicle in it. It was like more the second and third tier people mm-hmm. in the ISA, which I hate them calling them that. I don't like them calling them the ISA for shorthand, you know? It sounds like a government organization. Yeah, and it's like ISA, JSA. It's very close, and I know it's supposed to be close, but when you're stupid like me, it's very confusing. I knew what it was, but even in the comics, they never called them the ISA. Yeah. Like, like the JSA or the JLA was always the the code for whatever, but uh, in comics, it was always, and it was never like of America or anything. It was always just to me the Injustice Society or the Injustice League. It would those, and it that is quick and and gets to the point. So if they had just called them the Injustice Society, I would be fine with that. I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of the ISA. Right, because they're evil. Of course, that's the real reason why. And we also get a hint of uh, Brainwave Junior's powers are starting to show up. Yeah, and hey, like he, I don't want to say like he has like a full baby face turn in this, but we start to see the seeds of him not being a, a dirtbag. Right. And I do like that, like, uh, once again, like, uh, whatever the uncle for the uh, Rick Tyler, the new hour man, he has like, uh, just, you just hate him right out of the get go. And Brainwave Jr.'s girlfriend, I forget her name, who, who ruined uh, Yolanda, um, like, she has some Cindy. moments in this. Sit, just hate her through like through the roof like when she like she makes you feel good for brainwave like like brainwave junior when she's like what's the matter with you like my father's in a coma and you're like man you're i hate you like like right, I hate they're you. they're not making her redeemable in any way shape or form right and i think that's good with the villains because more more times than not we get these villains that like oh, they're trying to do this for the greater good, or they have some sort of whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But all the villains in this show, like, are terrible people. Like, obviously, they're all fronting this American Dream Corporation, which is obviously up to no good. Right. But they have no redeeming qualities, and she has no redeeming qualities in and of herself. There's no thing of, like, I'm this way because of X, or at least we haven't gotten that yet, right? Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel the way they've laid that character out that we're ever going to get this redeeming thing of her. Right. I agree. And we get a new, we get the new Fiddler shows up and we also it get to see. It can't be her, Todd. The original one was a guy and he was Irish. 
Maybe he's changed. Maybe I don't know. And we also get to see Adam Sandler's The Gambler be really evil. <laughs> yeah, he got the. I, there was something about his line read when he gets the payoff from the guy in the movie theater, uh-huh. and he flips the thing back, and he ca- and the the guy behind him catches it. The coin. The way they shot that coin, I mm-hmm. thought m- made up for. Not entirely, but partially, uh, for how bad the special effects were on Solomon Grundy. There was a lot of really well done and really well set up shots in this episode. Right. And that was one of them when he does the flip of the coin and he's like, oh, it's chocolate. And I'm like, oh, it's so corny. I love it. (laughs) Right. And I like uh, when he goes and him and the fiddler steal the the, whatever the truck uh, shipment. And he, the dish, they're going to steal a dish for their project. And he's like, oh, you're much, you have much stronger will. And he just, he has the Derringer. I thought that was fat. Like the, like the, the gambler gun. I was just like, that's, that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm all about this, the, the, uh, this guy as the gambler. Really. I think he stands out to me. Outside of his uh, cheesy spirit gummed on mustache and goatee and you the fact know. that he looks like the second the the second level heavy in a 90s early 2000s sandler film but yes uh, that's he looks like the guy who's cosplaying as king tut from the bull batman <laughs> tv show how dare you disrespect victor buono Oh yeah, I'll have to send you the links to all his uh, his uh, his uh, stand up on record when it was all just fat jokes about himself. <laughs> I found that the other day. Long story. Well, listen, that's a story I want to hear, but I think that's a perfect way to end the show while Todd and I discuss the comedy career of Victor Buono. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Episode five hundred seven of Long Box Heroes. Uh, For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named Network. The Lamborghini of Podcast Network.